Welcome back to Who the Hell is This For? Today we are reviewing David Fincher's Zodiac, a recommendation from our friend Turd Emoji on Twitter. Uh, I never know if people want me to say, if I know their real name, if they want me to say it or just go off their Twitter name. So we're just running off of Turd Emoji right now, who, if you're not aware, is the real uh, writer and director of Signs. Uh, that's, that's a fact. I fact check that it one. It has to be a fact. Exactly. Nobody can lie in their bio. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we are doing this movie off of uh, Turd's recommendation because he donated to, uh, this was another Minnesota Freedom Fund donation. If you guys donate to any worthy cause, whether that is uh, black, Asian, other marginalized racial groups, uh, the LGBT community, uh, uh, pro-Palestinian uh, fund or donation group, anything like that, basically... <laughs> our patreon that doesn't you exist just give us money yes you <laughs> can also Zoom give us maybe. money <laughs> if you walk up to me on the street and give me five dollars and tell me a movie to recommend i will just suggest it as though it were my own and jeff and riley will have no idea that i was given five dollars and that's <laughs> for me starts hammering home some random ass movie <laughs> <laughs> embezzling from the podcast <laughs> just just our time basically i guess <laughs> It's time theft. It's like pooping on the clock, which you should do. That's your right as a worker. All right, so we've already seized the means of production, uh, but once again, get back into to be serious for a second. Once again, uh, continue to donate to worthy causes, prop up worthy causes, and support groups that uh, don't have the voice that we we have or uh, the opportunities that we have right now. Just help people out. With that. Let's get into what we have been watching over the past, I think it's still two weeks. I think we're on, on track. Yeah, we are. Roughly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Riley, go ahead. Uh, Yeah, I haven't watched any. Uh, we want, No, that's not true. We watched the Friends reunion. Um, well, I know I for sure good. you watched one movie. Uh, boy, did I? Yeah. Fine. We'll save it for when I talk then. I don't know what movie it is. All right. Oh, oh yeah. That's right. I forgot. I there was we go. Drunk for that one. Yeah, I, uh, I thought so. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll, I'll let you touch well, on that. Yeah, Other we'll talk that, on that. I've just been bit. watching playoffs, uh, yeah. basketball, and hockey. Playoffs. Who's playing tonight? By the way, Suns Lakers. Lakers. Uh, Suns Lakers and Lakers were plus one forty when I punched it in. Cool. Um, How about uh, Nuggets Blazers? I don't know. I I know they played tonight, and then <laughs> Celtics and Nets, right? Yeah, uh, Celtics Nets still. Yeah. And Celtics lost more players. I think more players are out in that series. Like they had a chance anyway. Did but, not play well, hit by water bottle. They're they're attending Lucky's funeral. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Rest in peace, Lucky. You coward. You jag off. Just stood there and got stomped. <laughs> Defend yourself, Lucky coward of a leprechaun let's get a celtics jazz final what would mark oh, Wahlberg and, let the, and let the fans just go at it <laughs> get all Actually, those fans form in. an alliance well get the fans in get the players out and then bar the doors <laughs> and just let whatever <laughs> happens then, happens yeah then we start new franchises <laughs> we move the jazz to kansas city and there we that's go that's true that's true you don't even have to change the name and it fits so much better <laughs> yeah <laughs> those are yeah, folks up in sure utah known for their jazz in utah play jazz <laughs> i beat you to it hell yeah <laughs> all right jeff what have you been watching uh so i've been working my way through a couple franchises um some blind spots on my side so i had seen through fast and the furious six so i picked up with uh seven and eight this last week um and I, here's my personal opinion about the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, the the ultimate, the ultimate turn your brain off yes. movies. <laughs> Riley just says the ultimate movies. Um, but, but I think there is uh, beauty in giving yourself over to a movie that every line of dialogue should realistically make you roll your eyes. And you can just be like, fuck it. I'm just going to have fun during this movie. Exactly. You know? And I think uh, I think that's to be celebrated. I oh, also sure. think... I also think Fast 8, legitimately a good movie. Uh, Fast 5 and Fast 8, I think, are my favorite of the franchise. 
Um, I'm surprised you liked eight so much. I don't, I don't know what it was about eight. I really liked. I really dug it. Um, Charlize Theron with terrible hair. Let's go. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've I mean, seen the stuff for Fast Nine. Looks like they're sticking with it. <laughs> Charlize Theron's hair is like the uh, like the sixteen year old English soccer fan drunk on the train. Yes, I was gonna go with um, homeschooled missionary kid, but they, I think they both fit. Yeah, e- either or. Uh, I actually, I think both of those fit if we're going off of uh, what's his uh, what's his name, Ezra Miller, in uh, the Fantastic Beasts series. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, right. So I watched both of those. I also was just craving other car movies, so I watched Drive again. Um, Drive has never made me like want to move to LA and buy a jean jacket more than any other movie. Um, also watched uh, Wet Hot American Summer, Ooh, um, another one of my favorites. Um, and then the other franchise I started um, jumping into is the Final Destination series. I'd never seen any of them, actually. So we watched one and two um, on Sunday. I know uh, Mark from our friends at A to Z Horror is a huge fan of the Final Destination franchise. I do and, love those as And well. just other 90s horror in general. Is there supposed to... Because I've only seen one and two. I, I thought number one was pretty good. Number two is okay. Is there supposed to be like a peak in the franchise? I'm more I, familiar with two than Three, one. I feel like, is the peak. Okay. Three is, three is the one with the amusement park. Is that correct? They have like the, the roller coaster. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it's like a state fair, county fair, and or something. That's also the one with the Iwo Jima, right? I don't remember where somebody gets impaled on an American flag at a cookout. Oh, <laughs> I mean that, that sounds right. I, I and then there's four. Four has some really good kills. An absolutely absurd gymnastics kill. <laughs> Which one has the um, the tanning bed? Is that three or is that four? That might be two. It's no, that's two. three. That's three. Were they? <laughs> well, don't tell me. Don't tell me because I haven't. Yeah, seen yeah, them. yeah. Let it, let it, let it breathe. <laughs> but I am looking. That's that's another blind spot for me. So House of Wax, thank you, Jessica, got me back into the like mid two thousands horror. Yes. Um, where I was like, I got to go back and make sure I've seen this era. So that's what I'm working back through. There, there's a lot of that that I need to revisit. Yeah, I think I just missed it. You know what I mean? Some, mm-hmm. some of that, some of that stuff was like, I was like 13, and you know, yeah. didn't see it then. So, well, I was at that age, and I watched a couple of those, and then I watched The Strangers, and then I just, <laughs> just stopped quit. watching horror movie for 10 years. <laughs> I didn't watch a single horror movie for an entire decade after The Strangers. I feel like I really got a lot of those knocked out at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when we were young, like, you just were watching a big like F- Yeah, FX had all those movies. FX has House the Wax, movies. Wrong Turn, uh, all the Final Destinations. I think maybe even Spike TV back then ran a lot of that stuff. Spike TV? Is that even yeah. still a channel? No, I think it, well, so I think it was the Paramount channel now, but I don't know if they still run that or they just went full app with it. Got Subscribing it. to Paramount Plus is $10 a month tier so I can watch The Man Show without commercials. <laughs> <laughs> don't let Jimmy Kimmel forget he was on The Man Show. <laughs> All right. So what I have been doing since, uh, since we have last reviewed, we did, uh, I had my family watch Mission Impossible Fallout because they, oh, yeah. uh, they were wanting to watch a movie. And I was like, hey, this is a really good action movie. It doesn't matter if you haven't seen the other five because I've only seen this one. Um, I remember my New Year's resolution to watch the rest of the franchise. I literally own all of them. I know. I started watching a bunch of anime series instead. Uh, but then uh, last weekend or uh, no, Friday night. Was that Friday night? Riley and I. We texted back and forth while watching Prince of Darkness and having some beers, and we had ourselves a time. Oh, man, what a a movie. Oh, God. God, I love that movie. I I think there's an argument to be made that Prince of Darkness is Carpenter's best cast and that it's a top three Carpenter movie. I think... Oh, absolutely. It is the most... I think it is Carpenter's most punk rock anti-establishment movie 
because like the themes are more there in they live like anti-establishment mm-hmm. is the theme of they live but in the way and content of prince of darkness carpenter was like i'm done making studio movies this is what i want to make i want to make a weird religious sci-fi horror movie where is this in regard like timeline wise with halloween 3 oh um i think halloween 3 was 84 and this was what this was 86 87 okay i or halloween 3 might have been 86 and this was 87 i know they're close Halloween three no Halloween three was eighty two, okay. And oh, so wow. this was this was eighty seven. And man, I love Halloween. I was about to ask if we had reviewed Halloween three. Then I remember that's a lost episode. Oh well, time to review it again. Yeah, might as Subs- well subscribe to our Patreon to hear audio from hear like lost <laughs> episodes. It's basically just uncut <laughs> audio. It's uncut audio. Of t- <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon and we will each individually send you our audio files. <laughs> I was going to make the same joke. God damn it. <laughs> I love that Riley just talked over you until you couldn't make the joke and he just took it. <laughs> That's comedy, baby. That's comedy. <laughs> it's always who is loudest. Comedy is all about teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> That's why stand up comedians always have a friend on stage. That's true. All right, uh, and then so beyond that, watched Zodiac. Uh, watched uh, Catherine and I on Memorial Day. We were just hanging out around the house and threw some movies on. So we threw on Infinity War and Far From Home. I've uh, I've dropped them a little bit. Uh, they're both a four out of five stars. I I could be argued to go lower on Infinity War, honestly, because I think what I keep running into is that and Endgame. While they were super fun, I enjoyed them a lot. They don't really work as movies. Infinity War works better than Endgame does as a movie, but still, like, it's it's just kind of a tough sell. But Far From Home is good. I Honestly, my biggest issues with Far From Home are just how much of it is Iron Man Jr. Or the Tom Holland Spider-Man in general. Um, how much of those are in relation to his relationship with Tony Stark. And there's so... They're missing a lot of what makes spider-man spider-man but also they have a lot of that too so it's i still think they're a net positive for the character uh but still you know could the the formula could be improved on i agree and then not something i've been watching well i've uh been working my way through full metal alchemist brotherhood still but not something i've been watching uh i've decided i'm going to become a magic the gathering guy Oh, here we go. Yeah, it's time. I've started playing on the Magic the Gathering Arena app, uh, which is super fun. Only crashed my phone two times. but uh, <laughs> And it didn't even like hard crash it in the way that it just reset my phone. It locked me out of opening a single app for like 10 minutes until I could force a reset. God, but What's the deal? Is it I, just... I don't know. It just must not be optimized. Um, but it's... It's working out now. I haven't had any issues today. Is it an act? Is it on the App Store or is it? It is. It's on the on App Store. Like, oh, okay. Riley, you're showing a lot of interest there, friend. Might you consider <laughs> downloading the Magic the Gathering I have a Arena deck app? Somewhere. You do. Yeah, somewhere. I, I'm learning the basics here. A uh, friend of the uh, friend of the podcast, Brian, over at Debates on Tap, is a big Magic guy, and he's uh, he's being my shaman right now. I think I pretty much only get into it to get the Godzilla card and then I'd probably bow out. Yeah, that's fair. I'm I'm having a lot of fun figuring out the intricacies of everything. On the app is there is there like a versus mode? Yes. Like can you connect online and play? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I might be in on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's a very robust like online community for it. I I, I wish uh, the Pokemon yet- game had it for phones. Oh, okay. uh, they only have it for iPad and um, computer, so I've I've decided to shift gears, and I'm kind of burnt out on Pokemon cards anyway because of just the nightmare of it. At right. this point, it's a disaster. So steering into Magic, here we go. Uh, 
yeah, speaking of trading card games, um, I have yet to receive an update on the My Hero Academia trading card set that I pre-ordered. Oh, that's uh, right. Was it, when was that supposed to release? I have no idea. I, I'd have to go look it up. Was it like a Kickstarter? I no, I don't think so. It was a full release. Um, so you've just been waiting on an Amazon package the whole time? I, I pretty much... Yeah, I paid for a pre-order, and I have not thought about it until this very yeah. this very moment. And I had not either. I think the plan was for me to split the cost once you get it, and we each take one of the two decks that comes with it. Right. Yeah, like like sharing a pencil topper. Exactly. <laughs> but that way we can actually play against someone. Right. Um, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll look into that and uh, get back to you on that. We'll put a pin in it. Yeah. We'll circle back around and talk offline. All right. Let's go ahead and move into our review for David Fincher's Zodiac. Sorry, I had to scroll. Was I was in the wrong spot. Yeah, it was good. Episode <laughs> Murder, over. Murder, baby. Um, sorry, I was rolling to the uh, the synopsis, which I feel like you don't really need. But in the late 60s and 70s, fear grips the city of San Francisco as a serial killer called Zodiac stalks its residents. Investigators Mark Ruffalo, Anthony Edwards, and reporters Jake Gyllenhaal and Robert Downey Jr. become obsessed with learning the killer's identity and bringing him to justice. Meanwhile, Zodiac claims a victim after victim and taunts the authorities with cryptic messages, ciphers, and menacing phone calls. Directed by David Fincher, has a banger of a cast, made $33 million at the box office, which seems low. But, you know, maybe it was just too early because I feel like everyone now that is, like, borderline problematically obsessed with true crime. Oh, yeah, this would crush today. Yeah. And, like, oh, we'll talk more. It's, we're, not, we're not to that segment yet, but, God, I have so much good stuff to say about this movie. But before we do that, let's read a couple rotten reviews. Fincher, the Neo Kubrick nerd. Oh, man, I really. Oh, okay. A lot of things just happened. Uh, one, I started reading it, and then I realized my uh, my inflection was off, um, and my emphasis was off. And then I realized it was an Armand White review, of course. Uh, but Fincher, the Neo Kubrick nerd, has lost his bearings, which is dumb as hell because. I think there's influence there, but they are two remarkably different directors. And mm, Joanne Laurier of the World Socialist website, you would oh, think, no, comrade, you would yeah, think yeah. <laughs> that they're up our alley. Um, but I'm sorry, comrade Joanne. Fincher is talented, although perhaps not as talented as he and his admirers think he is. Which love to we just are like talented. backhand it, yeah. We directed this movie. So it, it's hard to find actually like good uh, rotten reviews for this movie because <laughs> you're just going to you're only going to get like really lukewarm reviews with some minor things that people got hung up on. Yeah, I agree. It's it's it is a film that inspires anytime you have a film that is beloved or a critical darling whenever you have someone disagree with that they seem to like really emphasize their own importance and how mm -hmm. much they're like i didn't fall like prey to the crowd who like yes. loved this movie and you're like all right man like it's not you're not cool because you dislike something popular i am better than the unwashed masses yeah also this is not a movie for the unwashed masses you know what yeah. I mean? like it's it's a great movie but it's not it's not a popcorn movie, you know what no, I mean? Like, like you, you have to be on board for what this movie is doing to enjoy yeah. it. And what it does is masterful. But you have to be wanting that. Yeah. You know what this movie does really well? The color That's yellow. It. Oh, boy. <laughs> Are we ready to go ahead and move into our what it does well segment? Because oh, I didn't know. Are we there yet? We can be. Uh, actually, you know what this movie does really well? Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold that for another like minute, because let's talk about the cultural context of this movie. Okay. <laughs> Given, um, like, we talked about it off mic, but there are so many 
riffs on this movie. There's Curse of the Zodiac. There's a couple other Zodiac movies. There's the Zodiac Killer, which is uh, repped out by uh, the American Genre Film Association, which I had the pleasure of seeing uh, at the Alamo back when it was in operation. Uh, Just unbelievably weird and bizarre movie. If you're not familiar, it was created by a guy in San Francisco who screened it at like screened it at like one theater at a time trying to catch the Zodiac killer because he thought he would come to one of these screenings and he would be able to catch him. And the movie is insane. So do we know any more about the plan to, to enact the catching? Like, was he just going to look at everyone who bought a ticket and investigate them? Um, it, was, it was handwriting samples. He took handwriting samples of everybody that came because I remember when we were, uh, when this, I believe, was actually... We're doing a lot of shout-outs tonight. I believe this was hosted by uh, Genius uh, for um, for Film Club. And Genius had everybody do uh, handwriting samples because that's what he did in the uh, at each screening to try and catch the Zodiac Killer. That's pretty cool. It's... I Like, I can't emphasize enough how strange that movie is. And that one is called... The, That's the just Zodiac, the Zodiac Killer. The Zodiac Killer. And what's so insane, like, I'm sure, obviously, you know, they're going off of the reports. Costume is exactly the same in this and that. Like, so many of the story beats that are in this movie are also in the Zodiac Killer, and it's just insane. And then they do really bizarre things, like have the Zodiac Killer go to a diner and... <laughs> He's drinking his coffee or whatever and uh, makes the Zodiac symbol in salt and then just like brushes it away and leaves like chuckling to himself. It's if you can get access to this movie, please watch it because it's so weird. I'll have to give it a shot. And then um, kind of general generally like the theme of this movie is like we were talking about before. People would have had this come out today, this would have exploded. And oh, I feel yeah. like it's more than a cult following. I think many people recognize it as a very good movie, but it would have been like, it would have been just insane what you saw if this were released in today's audiences. Well, and I think you really see obviously there is tons of true crime throughout history, right? But I think you see the modern, the modern boom of a ton of true crime probably restart with serial which was Mm -hmm. 2014 uh like there was always like dateline in 2020 and stuff like that but like that it wasn't everywhere you know what i mean every major streaming service i mean how many murder documentaries does netflix have like Mm -hmm. over well okay think about this even netflix netflix has mindhunter which is fincher doing the same thing right yeah it's basically a series of but with a blue instead of yellow this time yes yes He'd been watching some Michael Mann in his downtime before he made Mindhunter. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, obviously, I think this is such a good intersection of true crime and, like, actual good drama, though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because there's a lot of true crime that you watch, and it is it is good, but it is specifically a documentary format, you know, playing fast and loose with documentary formats as those other shows, or this one actually does tell a story of the participants in the investigation. Like ultimately the main character is not the Zodiac killer, which mm. I think is a different thing than in some of those. It's the people actually investigating it. And that I think was something I, you know what I mean? It, I don't know if it was totally unique, but I think, I think it was novel. You know what I mean? And I think it was something different and a reason that this movie works so well, right? Cause you're spending yeah. time with Jake Gyllenhaal and you're spending time with, Mark Ruffalo and like what this does to them personally and their families, um, which I thought was interesting. Oh, absolutely. We can go ahead and shift into what we did like about this movie and what this movie did well. You know what it does well for your bit. You know what it does well. What does it do well, Jeff? The color yellow. Yes, it does. (laughs) No, you're thinking of the movie, the color purple. Oh yeah. 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 Um, no, not to belabor the point, right? Uh, I know every one of Fincher's movies has a tone, Right, mm-hmm. but what I love about this movie is not just like the pastiche of yellow, like over the lensing and stuff like that. But there's all these pops of like very '70s and '60s colors. Right, there's mm-hmm. a yellow chair, there's all these yellow shirts, there's like all this contrast, and like even in these places that are like very drab, like you get a period feel, 
like in the newsroom, right? Like I think the newsroom is such an interesting setting yes. where all of this happens. Like you've got the bullpen with all the desks and where it's all open and you got people smoking in the bullpen and like, you know, everybody's got their own like individual desk. That's like their territory that you're like not allowed to come and like mm-hmm. sit on. I don't know. And then they've got the separate room where it's the boardroom where they're like making decisions like that whole scene and the way it's shot and the wide angles that they've got, I thought were, I don't know. It's a weird thing to say that stuff is beautiful, but like it oh, was it a is. really, it was a really compelling way to shoot this story. Mm-hmm. And then the, the stark distinction between that and then when we're brought back to the newsroom four years later and how everything has changed and it feels like a different place, like the structure, right. the layout are all the same, but so much feels a different about that setting. Right. I genuinely don't know where to go from here on what I like about this movie. Um, kind of like what you were just touching on there. Um, I really think the usage of time in this movie, well, not necessarily runtime, but um, I enjoy how they take the breaks to show how long this investigation went on. Um, even to the point where you get to that four-year break, it almost feels like two different chapters, almost two different movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you have like this, uh, I don't know which one it is, prologue or epilogue, whichever one comes before the story. Prologue. Prologue. Uh, prologue. Um, you have like this prologue of Jake Gyllenhaal's character, of him like, you know, of him learning the inner workings of uh, journalism and this store in, you know, this murderer you break for four years and this whole thing has consumed him and he's a completely different character. Um, and it turns from hunting down the Zodiac to this obsession with the Zodiac. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought that was done really well. And a note I have, um, I didn't take a lot of notes, but one thing I wanted to make sure to talk about is, um, is that, and it's Gyllenhaal's spiral is so, so good because he's so normal at the start of the movie. He is like aggressively normal to the point of well, they, boring when we're introduced they even to his drive character. that home. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, they drive it home like, oh, he's a boy scout, you know, mm-hmm. he's loves to he read, doesn't, doesn't drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drink of choice is his fancy like blue cocktail, his aqua yeah. velva. <laughs> he's it's just, just curacao like, and water. <laughs> he's every guy that like you like everyone knows this guy. And nobody has anything bad to say about this guy. Like, because I'm sure listening to this, every single person is thinking of somebody like this. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I like that guy. Know nothing about him. He does not strike me in any way, but I know that guy. Like, that's, and that's who Jake Gyllenhaal is in the start of this movie. And then when he becomes so just obsessed and begins to unravel, it hits so well because you're like, oh my God, this is a completely different person. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. I'd love to know the, the context of it and if it was a actually part of the story or if it was just something they did for the movie but like his first date with that girl where he ends up like needing to go find Paul Avery you know what I mean like where at the from the very beginning their relationship is defined by his obsession with the Zodiac and then the end of their relationship is caused by his obsession with the Zodiac mm-hmm. it's like you see it you know throughout the whole thread of their relationship um and I think also like you can see him going from like being fearful for his kid to now being like, fuck it. Like I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to find it. I'm going mm-hmm. to, I am now an investigator at the same time. So yeah, I, I agree. His journey journey on this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that Graysmith and anybody who was still alive, they did like consult on this movie. Okay. Because I saw most of them were listed um, under executive producers. So there was definitely some input. And apparently the uh, the Bob Vaughn and the basement scene, like all that whole thing, uh, apparently that actually happened to Graysmith. Like as he was becoming so obsessed with it that he, this weird like chance encounter he had with somebody who wasn't like, there, there was nothing to truly say he might have been the Zodiac, but he was so paranoid that he was losing his mind. Like, apparently that exact situation happened to Graysmith. Interesting. That That is, it's so funny because you you don't end up thinking it was that guy, but in mm-hmm. that moment you don't know. 
And so the exactly. first time you see this, I, I mean, watching it this time, there was a little bit less tension because I knew it was going to happen. But the first time you see this, you're like, oh, fuck. Like, he is in the Zodiac's house. He's in his basement. He turns the light off. And you're like, mm-hmm. fuck. You know what I mean? Catherine that, went I, under the blanket and did not come back up for like five minutes. Like, the she was just asking me if he was out of the house yet. And if he was in his car and if the car was actively driving. And <laughs> she would not watch it again until he was driving away. She's like, I, I just can't do it. He's going to die. He's going to get yeah. killed here. That was incredible tension. And this movie is good and it is tense. But there's there's not really any other points where the characters themselves are in main danger. No, right? Like That's really it, the only... It presents the idea of danger so well with so many of our main characters being threatened just through the letters. Just right. by their name being mentioned within the Zodiac letters. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, then you've got, you do have the, the heavy breathing, I guess. So yeah. there, there is that component too. But but that's, I mean, that comes so late in the game, I feel like that it's, that's not even the most threatening part of it to me. That's not right. what builds the tension. Like it, it does, obviously, but that's not what really hooks you and makes you think that danger is here. Riley, anything else you really like about this movie? Um... Other than it, this movie and our last movie are tied through One Tree Hill. <laughs> Fun fact. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, we were watching this and Catherine was like, oh, it's Mouth. Yeah, a.k.a. Stuart Minkus. Yes, a.k.a. McPoyle Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I love that replacement. It's so good. It does work. I'm curious before we move on, we talked a lot about Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, we haven't talked about the rest of the cast. We haven't talked about Ruffalo, and we haven't talked about um, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Dermot Mulroney. Yeah, Dermot Mulroney in like a role that didn't need Dermot Mulroney at no, all. But we got him, baby. <laughs> that was um, Fincher saying Mulroney, we got him, and just like him. hanging up his flip phone and going out for a cigarette. <laughs> I want to talk before we talk about Ruffalo. I want to talk about Robert Downey Jr. Yes. Um, not not fit god fit god first of all <laughs> if i ever have a downward spiral where i get divorced and have to drink all day like i already know what i'm gonna wear robert downey yeah, jr already gonna picked it. already picked out the outfit i'm gonna buy a houseboat <laughs> i'm gonna wear a robe all day those uh those overland park houseboats <laughs> let's do it <laughs> jeff at the lenexa barbecue on his houseboat in the <laughs> pond there it's it's just like just a full robe it's like a Ford Ranger towing like an 18 footer. <laughs> I like that we're slowly like collecting our midlife crisis outfits. Like you've got this, I've got Rick Dalton with his robe and margaritas at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, you know, you got to have a vision board. I have to oh, know yeah. what to put on it. So, also, lots of good jean jackets in this movie. There's oh, a the theme God. this week. Love my love my jean jackets and just like if there's if there's two things this movie makes you want it's jean jackets and a cigarette because everybody is just smoking cigarettes the entire time don't don't forget a an abnormally large bow tie like a 17th century yes. bow tie for some reason to mark ruffalo i don't a shakespearean a, dandy yeah was that i mean was that size of bow tie a 70s thing i feel like that's the first time i've ever seen that it's massive. That's a personal Mark that Ruffalo there. choice. <laughs> um, I will say, he speaking of sartorial choices, uh, there was one thing he had where he was eating in the diner where he's wearing the 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 gun harness and a navy shirt and like zebra pants, like striped. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that shouldn't work, but it does. <laughs> yep, it totally does. Mark Ruffalo just... And he's not the guy I would have guessed to really pull these looks off. But here he is. I think it I think it worked because it was still understated compared to Robert Downey Jr.'s like distractingly good fits. With the neck scarf. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Um what did you because we we just talked about what they were in. What did yeah. you think of Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo's performance? I think I think Ruffalo gives a more more not convincing but a more like 
in line with the rest of the movie tonally. Ruffalo's grounded. performance fits better. Well, it's more I, grounded. I think, I think Ruffalo gets more to work with. Yeah. But Downey Jr. Downey's is still very good. It's it he seems so off when we're first introduced to him just because like like he's like off kilter. And then that works a lot. That works so well when he does kind of just spiral out of control and his life falls apart. Like you go back and it's like these elements were always kind of there. I will say Robert Downey Jr. gives the first half of the movie like some lift. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there, there is some, there's some good jokes in there. There, there's some good feels for, uh, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. gives some lift to the first part of this movie. I think where overall, like he's making jokes, like even with the, um, police officers that are kind of busting his balls and like trying to mm-hmm. get, you know, in his face while following them around, like, he does the thing where he's like slowly picking up his hat and like gets out of their way. Like you know, anyway, there's a lot of like levity, and I think the tone of the movie is different when he's in it. And I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing, but well, it is it's almost different. It's almost you know like how we have our two halves of this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, your first half is Robert Downey Jr. and your second half is more Mark Ruffalo. I and mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting the tone because so I hadn't watched this since high school. And the I maybe for, ever maybe ever that's a whole thing we debated off mic. I'm not sure if I have watched this movie, but I think I might have. You, I don't know if I picked it up through osmosis and watched The Curse of the Zodiac instead, or if it's just been you know 13 years since I've watched it and I can't remember. But uh, but yeah, the tone like it's so weird, but not in a bad way, and a lot of that does go to. Downey Jr. and some of the weird stuff Jake Gyllenhaal's doing as this aggressively normal guy, I was I found myself laughing more than I expected through the first half of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I I think it's because I forget that like and I know Fincher didn't write this one, but obviously a filmmaker like Fincher does have a lot of say in how his movie comes across. And I always forget that Fincher isn't like totally just heavy and dry the entire time he he does include a lot of like uh moments of relief and some jokes through his movies oh yeah i mean you know one of his most famous movies obviously fight club is it obviously pulls a lot from the planet novel that has Mm -hmm. all the dark humor in it but like there are parts of fight club that are generally hilarious right yes um gone girl not so much (laughs) seven Um, not so much seven not so much but I mean, yeah, there there are other things that he's done that has some of those dark humor. I actually haven't seen Mank. Have you guys seen Mank yet? I have not seen. I keep Mank meaning yet. to. So I don't know if that's more in line with you know dark humor, um, Fincher. I have to imagine there's some of that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think there's, and I, I almost I don't think it's the thing that the film does wrong. But because there is those two tones, I almost would kind of like to see a movie that does the first tone, the first half of the movie, the whole time, like. Like a true crime with some wisecracking, I think would be like kind of a fun separate feature, right? Zodiac is fine the way it is. It doesn't need to change. But I, I could be interested in a film that is mostly that. Because then you just get like something that is less funny than like, um, oh, fuck. Midnight Run. No, not the other guys. The new guys. <laughs> Help me out here, Ty. Russell um. Crowe. Oh, the, uh, the nice guys. The good, nice guys. Nice guys. Was, yeah. God, fuck, what a new dad girl. moment. The new guys? You guys know that movie, The new guys? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Someone else go. <laughs> <laughs> um, before I Something we haven't touched on, but I wanted to mention it before we move into what we didn't like and what didn't work for us. But the music in here is unbelievable. True. That hurdy gurdy man is a, a fucking dark thing in this <laughs> tone. Now I'm thinking. I saw something talking about Resident Evil Village this morning that has just wormed its way into my brain, and that made me think of it. I cannot get the word hungalabongos out of my head. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, continue. All right, anything else? I mean, we talked a lot about the performances. We talked about Fincher in general. Obviously, we just just referenced it a little bit, but Fincher is uh, a widely celebrated director. Lots of crime not necessarily true crime but a lot of this sort of like crime thriller element we'll kind of run through um 
some of the hits if you're not familiar. But, I mean, oh, basically... are we doing our segment where we read a filmography again? <laughs> yeah, we, we are. Let's we do haven't even... this person did. You know, we haven't even talked about um, some Who's stuff. Bad? That... Who's bad? Who's uh, <laughs> bad? Benjamin Button, not my favorite. Um, but he's got some other bangers on here. Alien 3. Oh, the... oh my God. Yeah. yeah. How have I not brought up Alien yeah. 3? God. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network. All great. Oh, you know who's bad? Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, yes. <laughs> there we go. Welcome to our segment, You Know Who's Bad. We got um, it. We but got that. we haven't even talked about his best movie. Yeah, we talked about Alien 3. No, we haven't talked about it. The Game. Oh, God, that's the right. The Game is, is, a Fincher. Fincher, <laughs> is a Fincher hit. Oh, also man, Panic Room, which we haven't, hell. haven't done before. But, I mean, there's really, aside from you know Tyler notwithstanding of not liking The Game... There's really not a bad movie in his filmography. I mean, you would say, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know that I'm going to watch The Curious Case of Benjamin Button again. But I don't think it's because it's a bad movie. It's just a three-hour movie about Brad Pitt getting younger. So, I mean, <laughs> who wants to see that? That's unfair. Um, but, I mean, like... Yeah, if you want that, there you is just no... watch the second half of his career. <laughs> he ages he's doing incredibly well. He got some of that juice from David Venture, and he's been using it every day. <laughs> Um, but I, I don't know. I just think Fincher is such an interesting director because his filmography isn't huge. You know what I mean? For being born in 62, like he's had, you know, a pretty long period of time to make movies in. And I mean, all of them are good. I don't think there's any huge wasted effort here. But going back to what makes, you know, a Fincher movie a Fincher movie or what makes this one so unique, I think there's there's elements of his other films in this one obviously you've got seven and gone girl which are like very specifically crime thrillers girl with the dragon tattoo fits in there as well um the game and panic room have some of that like tension and then fight club kind of has all of the above you know even the social network for it being a drama has some elements of tension Mm -hmm. and trying to find stuff out and you know running away and things like that so i don't know and i'm not saying i think turd this is one of his favorite movies by Fincher. I think he, he has said this is his favorite Fincher. movie of all time. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said that you can get a lot of the Fincher experience from Zodiac. Yeah. If you if you mm-hmm. like Zodiac, there's a good chance you will like a lot of Fincher stuff. So, did you also... I'm looking through this on IMDb. Did you also know that Fincher has just directed a hell of a ton of music videos? I didn't know Some that. of them, you'll be able to guess. Like, some of the artists he's worked with. Like, if I said, oh, Fincher's directed some music videos, what's the first band you're going to think of with Fincher? It's going to be Nine Inch Nails. Because... Yeah, uh, nine, nine Inch Nails. Well, okay. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because, you know, he's worked with Trent Reznor so many times. But, okay. Apparently not. So... Perhaps this sometimes other one. When you this, do, is, this is a movie podcast, sir. That's yeah, sometimes when you go off on the score, I think we... Please we, keep your ya-ya music out of this. We wade into some waters that we're not maybe familiar with. <laughs> that's fair. But, I mean, okay. Fine. Obviously, I've no, I know Reznor has done scores, but I had not connected in my head that he had done a ton of Fincher scores. But now that you say yeah. that, I, I do remember like, that. Like, that's... Social Network is, like, that's the big thing, is that he right. did the score for the Social Network. Uh, but also, uh, you know who else he's directed some uh, music videos for? That's right, Paula Abdul. <laughs> Nothing could have prepared me for you saying Paula Abdul there. <laughs> I would have picked almost any other band before you said that. The, including Straight Up. Oh. <laughs> oh, you mean the J. Cole song? Exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, I was about to fall asleep before we started recording. Do not bring up J. Cole. I will pass out again. <laughs> boring as hell uh, also did the video for uh, suit and tie Justin Timberlake and Jay-Z huh. what? what a strange credits in there uh, anyway let's go ahead and move on to what we did not like or what didn't work for us in this movie my uh, list is very small so is mine runtime it's a smidge long yeah and it for me it didn't even feel long I mean, it doesn't. I think there was a couple of points. I think where we had like paused it for one of us to go to the bathroom or something, and we're like, "There's still an hour and a half of this movie." Uh, not necessarily in a bad way, just like 
we're so enthralled with this movie that it feels like we've been watching it for hours. Yeah. And and I'm like well, the same way. I I almost feel like this movie isn't long enough. I could do three and a half hours, no question here. I mean, the, what's the runtime of this? Two, two, two hours, 30 minutes? Yeah, 237. Like yeah, okay. It's, oh man, because, and the reason I say I could use more is because the, uh, the like, the pacing and the passage of time, it, do, it mm-hmm. almost doesn't feel like enough time has passed for how much time has actually passed within the narrative. Sure. It, it feels like a couple weeks later at most, even though so much has changed. Well, I think what this what this does is it gives a really good picture of all of the mistakes and or the wrong paths they went down. Like, they could mm-hmm. have just covered the Lee angle, right? Like, did we get him? Do we have enough evidence for it? You know, we didn't get the handwriting sample. Like, all that stuff. Um, but then they also go down the path of they think it's Rick Marshall. And, you know, they talk to the housekeeper. And, like, there's... I think what this film does good... And where it could almost fit into, you know, its own docu-series or something like that. Like, it's very like Save the Dark on HBO where they were doing the Golden State Killer. Mm, um, yeah. Which, have you, guys, have you guys seen that I one? I have not watched that yet. No. Super worth your time. Patton Oswalt's late wife was the investigator. And so Patton Oswalt is oh, in no, it. I did not did you guys not know that? that? Yeah, so she was the... she And she was just like a true crime buff. And I think she was a writer, but like she didn't necessarily do true crime itself. Mm-hmm. And she just got really interested in this case and got like totally hooked in with all the groups trying to solve it. And it was basically citizen sleuths that like found out a lot of information that basically got the guy caught. And she ended up passing away, um, partly due to stress from this. And I, I think they said it was an accidental overdose due to the stress of basically what the investigation caused. Anyway, long story mm-hmm. short. Like, this this feels, like, if you watch Hold the Dark on HBO and that series, this feel this movie feels very much like it's going through the same beats. It's just not, it's just a drama versus a docuseries, right? But it goes down all the same paths of this is what we investigated, this is what we found out. And so, um, very akin, even if they're different styles. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think something else that holds it back a little bit is I wish... It's he does it so well with the Bob Vaughn scene in his house and in the basement, and I wish that we had more uncertainty throughout it, and that it wasn't it wasn't steered so hard into saying ninety nine percent it was Lee Allen. Like I wish there mm-hmm. was some more uncertainty there. Yeah, I, I think it's it's hard when you're basing it off a real for sure. You know, investigation, for sure. Like, yeah, I'm sure now we're almost, like, very confident that it was Lee Allen, but we, I I would have loved to, you know, let it be, or let it have some of that air of uncertainty and let it breathe a little bit, and because I think that amplifies your tension. Even knowing what we know about the whole case now, like, still... You could have... You could have ended the timeline, or ended the movie earlier in the timeline to leave some of that mystery more open. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, you could have you ended it where you as the audience have to decide, do you think it's Lee Allen or do you think it's Rick Marshall? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Beyond that, I it's so hard to come up with a complaint for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Shall we go ahead and move into our standouts, letdowns, and Dr. Jeremy Gleason award? <laughs> Let's do it. I think the standout for me is I'm going to cheat and just say it's the basement yeah. scene. It's yeah, the most compelling. Yeah, that is, yeah. That's your big ticket scene here. It's unbelievable. It's so good. Yeah. Gyllenhaal plays scared yeah. amazingly well. <laughs> oh, man. Gyllenhaal is just unbelievable. All, like, all around. Yeah, I God, I love Gyllenhaal. I had something else to say there, and I lost it. <laughs> oh, oh, um, I mean, since we're all settling on the uh, not settling, but all you know, acknowledging that the basement scene is the best scene in this movie, I also want to give a lot of credit to the Zodiac killing at the lake uh, with the couple when we see him in the costume. 
Uh, it, it is chilling. That is a chilling scene, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Because, like, there's so much menace, and you know, like, it's hopeless. Like, there's no chance this couple's getting out of there. And seeing him, like, ducking behind the trees, stepping out, walking towards them, and then just the brutality of the kill itself, all of that works together so well. Totally agree. All right, let's move into letdowns, which is tough. I I pushed myself to pick one, and I think it's just the first date, just because the... And I mean, I know it's done with a purpose. It's because his mind is completely elsewhere. But, like, the lack of chemistry makes that scene, like... It, it's awkward, and it's supposed to be awkward, but it doesn't land as well as the rest of the movie, I feel like. I agree with that. Yeah. I hate that we are going to pick the same ones across yeah. the board, but I, 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 think I, for, yeah, I don't know if I can really find a weak scene. Yeah. I mean... For as good as this maybe, movie is, we've no, avoided no. the trap that we were worried about of just sitting around saying, man, that was pretty cool. Like, <laughs> we've actually been able to talk about this movie, which is good. All right. Jeremy Gleason... Let's do it. I'm going to go with two. Okay. Um, Give me more Robert Downey Jr. as part of the main ensemble. Um, But then two, give me more Bob Vaughn because the guy that played that nailed creepy guy so well. Absolutely. That, yeah, I could could do like another 20 minutes of that guy. Um, I really like... Who, do you know who the actor is that plays uh, Lee? Oh, um, I wish I knew his name. Oh, have you seen... You've seen The Invitation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yes. John Carroll Lynch. Yes. There we go. John Carroll Lynch is great. He's he's this perfect, like, everyman, but also so menacing and imposing, and can he can do the things so well where he's just like... There's something so off about this guy, and it's making me so uncomfortable. Well, he's—I think that what he's got going for him is that he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's—he's he's very tall. He and gives an, off like, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, it just yeah. He gives off a very like gentle giant vibe, but right. then he—you throw in these, you know, deranged killer like, tones with him. Like he could have been Hodor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck. Yeah, absolutely. Hodor's about to fucking murder some people. Um, yeah, totally. so that yeah, that gentle giant is a, is a great way to put it, yeah. where you you know he won't fuck with you, but you don't want to fuck with him type of thing. Um, kind of like Lenny in Mice and Men. <laughs> Mice and Men. <laughs> yeah, I... He's, he's so good. So, I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I would like to see him more because I like what he does as a character actor. Oh, yeah. But I also realize, like, we don't have... What I do like about this is they don't necessarily portray this from the killer's point of view. Because then that portrays it as, like, this is for sure the killer. Mm -hmm. And they don't know that. And I actually thought that was a smart choice. Very. Where they they didn't just do it from, like, Lee's point of view the whole time. They didn't have him do voiceovers. They didn't show him, like writing letters or things like that. And they probably could have, and it probably could have been a very compelling story to do it that way, but it, it strays away from the drama true crime that Fincher is trying to do. Like, I think mm-hmm. you can tell it's very meticulous that they're trying to portray this as close to what happened as possible. Like, they're taking some mm-hmm. liberties in, like, the reactions and the what was said and obviously things like that, but you don't get the, the feeling that they're playing fast and loose with, like, the timeline or you know right. anything like that yeah not really going outside the investigation yeah right itself. and it's it's very meticulous and i i appreciate the craft that went into it for sure 100 percent. i it's hard to come up with one that isn't that so i'm just gonna say this is personal preference because i love the man um i'm gonna go with dermot mulroney <laughs> <laughs> i think he could have been interesting as the partner he i, I think the so. chief the the partner is like the one role that might not quite land for me. I don't know. I like the, I like the partner. I mean, I think it's a good against Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. I think he's played a, a really famous partner before. So yeah, that's Goose, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's Goose. I yeah. did not realize that. You've lost. Yeah, I take it all Maybe back. It's he's because perfect. he wasn't like oiled up yeah. with his shirt off. 
and not. Oh, I didn't recognize you with clothes. Sorry, you weren't a beefcake in this movie. <laughs> Just going up and saying that to him today. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, he's dead now, so. Well, it'd be really bad to say it to him then. No, he died in Wait, that. He... he died in that plane crash. The cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> if you die in the movie, you die in real life. That's how it works. Yeah. Well, luckily he's lived on through Miles Teller. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that movie's coming out eventually. Um. All right, so let's go ahead and move into our uh, final two segments, our Who the Hell is This For, uh, which if you like this movie, what are some other movies you should watch? Riley, start us off. Uh, Manhunter. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking got him. This has been the last episode of Who the Hell is This For. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Oh, man. <laughs> I love that you had that cocked and loaded yep. in case you got to go first. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, because I was about to go. Can we can we spin for it? And then he just gave me the green light. I, so. I don't know why. I just went ahead and gave it to you today. Yeah. God. Um. Yeah, Manhunter. If pl- uh, here's our plug for our Manhunter episode. And here's uh, our plug for the movie Manhunter. It. Just go watch it. Yeah. If you. Yeah. If you want to see a movie that's way worse than Zodiac, watch oh my Michael god, Man's I swear Man to God, Hunter. <laughs> Turd has actually told me he's been. Uh, excuse me, sir. This this is my this is my nomination. I get to say it. I have I not yielded my that's time. Fair. Uh, I will say, <laughs> no, Turd has told me he's been saving that movie for like a special occasion, like and just making a day out of it. And so, oh my I think, god! Speaking of Manhunter, I think now's your time to watch it. Damn it. Tyler, I just saw you. I forgot I have that VHS oh, director's cut of Manhunter for we you. Got, we got very distracted by a professional eater. It's okay. That's uh, fair. <laughs> All right, Jeff, go ahead. Um, so I'm going to pick another John Carroll Lynch feature and go with Fargo. Yeah. So he's the. He's not really any. He's just the husband. Um, but what I like about Fargo, obviously Fargo is done by the Coens, one of my favorite directors, director teams of all time. Um, it's got the murder investigation. It's also just got like some of the dark humor. I think it's less serious than this. All of the moments, the moments where it gets serious are very serious. Um, but I think Fargo is in this vein. It's got a little bit of humor in it, but it's not comedy. Um, very, very good. Not hard boiled detective, but a good detective film for sure. Mm -hmm. And then for my first pick, I am taking another kind of neo-noir, uh, that, it it has some lighter elements in the tone, but still is very heavy, very stylized. This is a bit. I'm going bad times at the El Royale. Oh yeah, I like that. I movie. love that. Yeah, I know. You thought I was ramping up to a bit. It's a serious pick. That really, yes. Yeah, I love that, was that really movie. Delivered as a bit. Riley's second pick. Um, I'm gonna go with another uh, Jake Gyllenhaal staple. I'm gonna go with Nightcrawler. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. I feel like here's here's how I feel about Fincher. I feel like every Fincher movie, whether it's in L.A. or not, is about L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a great pick because Nightcrawler, in the vein of like Drive, is a movie about the city of L.A. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it yeah. showcases L.A. for sure. Mm-hmm. Jeff, second pick. I'm going to stay in that same vein a little bit. Um, and I'm going to go with a, new, a noir classic in Chinatown. Ooh. Which is one I still need to watch. It's, it's real. I really like it personally. I think you will like it. It has older movie pacing, Mm -hmm. which which I know is not a problem for, yeah, which is not a problem for you, but I do think it's long. I think it's probably in the realm of two hours plus. Um, but it's a classic. It's got lots of like good hard boiled detective investigation. Jack Nicholson is perfect as jake it's got a lot of classic lines um definitely something you should check out all right if you like zodiac you will love chinatown okay um one so we i know um a big part of this movie is jake gyllenhaal like kind of losing it um and kind of losing his grip on reality and some might say he's a little twisted um and i'm gonna go with uh todd phillips joker god fucking damn it that's not even where I thought you were going. Such a bad time. Yeah, no, I I can't seriously do that. I'm not. I'm, you know who's bad? You know who's bad? <laughs> Joker. Society. That whole movie. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take it while it's still on the board. I'm going The Departed. Uh, it's a little different, but it's a hunt for 
it's people trying to track down who's responsible for something before, you know, things escalate. Gotcha. Riley, what's your final pick? I'm having a, I'm having a tough time coming up with the final one here. Um, I hate to just go with that, but I don't know what else to pick. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with seven. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, if you like this I hate movie, to you recommend that, seven. but it's, yeah. it's, it's very close. Uh, oh, I forgot it is, it is slightly canceled. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm. You can still watch it. It's fine. Well, and at least Kevin Spacey plays a bad guy. <laughs> right. He's certainly not anyone you want to emulate. Right. So. All right, Jeff. Um, so I have my third pick and then I'm going to do an honorable mention. Okay. Can I do that? Touch cheating. So I'm going to do another classic. Um, and this actually is one of my favorites. This is a movie I actually saw with my family. Um, so I think it's old enough that it can be a family favorite or it can be a my family favorite. Your family's probably will watch just about anything, which is cool. Um, my family, although like really like the old Hitchcock stuff. So my pick for this is Rear Window, um, the Hitchcock version, which is like it's great. And I I don't say that with like a hint of irony. Like people don't normally like Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Obviously, people love Hitchcock, classic of the genre. But I do think that there is sometimes people like what Hitchcock has done, but they may not enjoy the movie mm-hmm. themselves. Rear Window for me actually fully tracks. I think it's yes. enticing the whole way through. I think it's exciting all the way through. I think it has maybe more modern pacing than some of the other movies. Um, so Rear Window is a is my third pick. Okay. Um, my honorable mention, just really quick, because it's a mystery, uh, mistaken identity, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang Ooh. is really fucking good. And I have it as an honorable mention, but I might like it more than any of the movies I've mentioned so far. That's one of my that's one of my favorites. Fantastic. I I also have a uh, an, a third pick and an honorable mention lined up. Um, but the my third pick is Wind River because I think it's one of the best examples of a neo noir and neo western too. While this one doesn't really have the western elements that Wind River does. The mystery and the tension here is just unbelievable. And I feel like... I actually just put that on my watch Ooh, list. Okay, that, I'm glad you said that you haven't watched it yet. Jeff, you've seen it, right? I think I have, but I honestly need to revisit it. There is a scene, <clears throat> there is an incredibly well-crafted scene that ma- for much different reasons matches the tension of the basement scene. It's one of the most tense scenes i've i've seen in a movie that isn't specifically like horror or suspense or a thriller i mean this one's kind of a thriller but it's you will know it when you see it it is such an unbelievably good scene and the whole movie is like it plays off this mystery and builds to some phenomenal payoff and then my honorable mention it's honorable mention oh, Je- or jeff go ahead no i was just gonna say wind Weaver, also a cold yes like cold investigation movie cold murder movie which is one of my favorite like niches yes. in the genre. It, you give me a cold movie and baby, I am there. <laughs> um, but the, the other, the honorable mention, it's honorable mention because it is not a movie for everybody, uh, but is high, highly stylized. And if you want a serial killer movie from the other perspective, I'm going to go with the house that Jack built, which is, it's weird. And it is not a good time for like 90% of audiences, but it's one of those movies that I really, really enjoy. And every time I think about it, I like it more like in retrospect. And it's one I haven't revisited yet, but I think if you're really into what a lot of Zodiac does and you are a little more on board for some of the, not, it's not an extreme movie, but it is very uncomfortable. Uh, If you're more on board for some of that house that Jack built is worth your time. Matt Dillon being a weirdo. Oh yeah, listening to David Bowie. <laughs> it's uh, and so many other things. That would be a good one to review, honestly. Um, let's go ahead and move. I mean, <laughs> you can't see the face Jeff made. I think you would like it, Jeff. <laughs> the the sound I would have made was. Uh, we'll see. You don't have to watch it if you're listening, but we'll just make everybody on the pod watch it. <laughs> it's. I I genuinely really like that movie. 
Um, okay, let's go ahead and move into our scores and then get out of here. Riley, start us off. Um, yeah, so the only thing the only thing dragging this score down for me uh, is the runtime. Um, just just because anytime you have a movie this long, you have to really kind of block out. You know, you have to set time aside to watch it. Um, but I'm still going with a nine for it. Um, because other than that, I really can't find anything wrong with this movie. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the runtime is is a little long, but almost everything else works for me. I'm at the same place. I'm at a nine on a ten scale and a four and a half on the letterbox scale. Mm -hmm. And we are truly circling the wagons because for me, I mentioned there are some issues with pacing and um, wishing that they had really given more of that uncertainty. But I'm a nine as well and a four and a half on letterbox. It's that's kind of what we figured would be the case (laughs) coming into this. I was. Not surprised at all that we all had the same score. This movie rules. Well, <laughs> turd, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, I'll cut that part out. So I definitely accidentally said his name, uh, and you won't have heard that. But, turd, thank you so much for the recommendation. This movie rips. We all had a good time watching it. Uh, if you guys would like to have... Uh, your movie reviewed on the pod Uh, well I mean if you make a movie sure but uh, just a movie of your choice I should say that Uh, make a donation to a uh, worthy cause right now and give us a recommendation show us a receipt and we will get your movie added to the review list with that this has been another episode of who the hell is this for thank you for listening